more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. morning everybody this is kelly i am here flying solo today lynn is out and about around the town but i have a wonderful guest for us today this is rebecca Seelove, and she is visiting us from tennessee where she's a founding member of burns village farm hi rebecca good morning kelly so nice to be with you this morning Thank you. I'm so glad that you could be here because I just love the story of your co-housing journey is just so lovely. And especially for those of us who are working on a co-housing community in the urban core of the fourth largest city in the U.S., it's really like a a different and interesting um, setup that you guys are, are pulling together. So I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited to share with everybody what it looks like to be a founding member of a of an agrihood is the word you were using agrihood is that right that's correct okay okay good well so first rebecca i want to i want to go over like your journey into co-housing because um i think it pretty much informs where you are today so maybe we could kick it off by you telling us a little bit about your background in co-housing before you started this community in tennessee Okay. Well, I lived in St. Louis for a lot of years. And when I was there, I had groups of friends, two different groups of friends who were interested in co-housing. And they introduced me to this concept. I remember watching some videos and I remember (laughs) searching for sites and what a challenge that was. And neither of those communities got off the ground. I met and married my husband, John, uh, in St. Louis. And when he and I were getting ready to move to Washington, D.C., by then I had convinced him that co-housing was a wonderful thing. And we only looked for co-housing communities, which really simplified the search for a home. He ended up moving into Blueberry Hill, which is in Fairfax County. And um, we both worked in the district and found it a very comfortable place to live. And we loved our community and our neighbors. We lived there for about seven years. And then we moved to Tennessee because my husband, John, has two adult children here who have young kids of their own. And we wanted to be near all of them. So we we left our community in Blueberry Hill uh, mm-hmm. physically, but we've stayed very connected with them. Yeah. So can you describe that a little bit, Blueberry Hill? It was rural and you had... Mm-hmm. Not rural at all. Not, Not rural, rural at all. all. It's, it's, a very, it's a very special community. It was built by or started by two sisters whose family had a farm, which is still a working farm in Fairfax County, surrounded by housing developments. Uh-huh. Uh, their farm is, is a treasure in Fairfax County. Uh, and it's the source of food for a lot of people. They have over 600 CSAs uh, this year. And uh, so they, the two sisters read about co-housing and wanted to live near one another. And so they rallied around a group of friends and they talked about it at the PTA meetings and they had signs up at grocery stores and they pulled together a community that started about three years before we were looking for a home. So we moved into a fully formed co-housing community in 2003. 
And that community has uh, 19 single family homes, uh, a lovely common house. It is surrounded, uh, well, it's not surrounded anymore by woods. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. A lot of the woods, it's, na- it's now been replaced by a very large homes. Um, mm-hmm. But that co-housing community still is a little bit of an oasis uh, yeah. for us. And we it had a lot of children in it and people who are very involved in the farm, which the land of the farm is just adjacent, not part of the co-housing community officially, but it's adjacent and there is a lot of um, cross-pollination. <laughs> yeah. How did that work um, kind of participation-wise? Did the co-housing group have its own uh, participation expectations and its own kind of uh, self-management structure, and then you could just go volunteer at the farm if you would like? Yeah, I would say in a lot of ways, like a lot of co-housing communities, you know, consensus decision-making process, uh, meetings, lots and lots of meetings. There were four, mainly four action teams, the indoor committee for the co-housing, for the common house, outdoor for the grounds. Uh, There was a a fun committee uh, and a process committee. And so people were expected to participate in those. There were common meals that were voluntary and people could sign up. A very efficient way of de- dealing with the cost of food. The food was always very inexpensive and very good. <laughs> and so, uh, the, and then the work on the farm was totally voluntary. So some people didn't really have much to do with it at all. Whereas for some of the younger kids, it was their first job and they would work in the in the field harvesting helping to plant or they would work at the farm stand learn about the cash register uh, so it was there was a lot of activity at the farm with people in the community volunteering or in some cases being employed there yeah rebecca the, the community that we moved from had also a working farm and actually my kids sorted beans uh, <laughs> so you know with all the dried beans coming in you've got to get all the you know stuff out and so they would sit and sift and sift with their friends and then they were paid in beans. So they, they, <laughs> so they literally earned beans at their very first job. Although they also then uh, had a very thriving egg business because, you know, not every adult wants to walk down and wrangle chickens for their eggs every day. And so uh, the girls would go collect eggs and then they would deliver them to people's like wow. you know, their doorstep. And uh, yeah, they made like a couple hundred bucks, like pretty quickly (laughs) for a nine-year-old. That was a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. I grew, I grew up on uh, a working dairy farm in West Virginia and I didn't, uh, I didn't know at the time sort of what a blessing that was, although I, many aspects of it that I loved, but as an adult, uh, I mentioned to you that I'm um, tr- a psychologist and have worked many years as a clinical psychologist. I also identify myself as an eco-psychologist. Mm. And eco-psychology is a field of psychology that values and, and respects and works to understand the relationship between human well-being and the rest of the world, mm. and the natural world in particular. And I think having the experience for children especially to be connected in some way to the more than human is really healthy. Yes. Yeah. And adults. <laughs> yes. Put, it's put good for all of us. It's good for all of us. It's just really, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice piece of a foundation of development. And then yes, I think all human beings uh, benefit from being in and around the more than human world. The natural world. I was just reading something about 
that as people get older, their uh, exposure to smell, particularly in our modern world, is uh, diminished. You just don't smell as many things because our environments are, you know, cleaner and more uh, sanitized. Not cleaner necessarily, like clean, clean, but just more sanitized, more controlled. And that that uh, has been linked to cognitive decline, which I don't know. I'm not even going to cite the study, so I shouldn't even bring it up. But it did make me think it's true that in my bubble of a world, I can very easily just uh, start to miss out on some of the kind of enrichment, you know, things that make your make your world more interesting, you know, just smells and textures and sounds and things that you just don't get if you are always in a human controlled environment. Yes. Oh, I so agree with you, Kelly. So Rebecca, you wound up on a farm then in Tennessee right now while you are Mm -hmm. founding your community. Um, What made you decide to, I mean, it sounded really bucolic when we were talking about that, honestly, to uh, be on a Tennessee farm, but you're willing to to forego that for moving back into a co-housing community. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision for you and your husband? We had, as I mentioned, we had family here and my stepson had announced to us that he wanted to shift from being an accountant to working as a certified organic farmer. And so we bought a farm with him mm-hmm. and he and my husband did farm together very productively for five years. And then my stepson said, okay, that was fun. Now I'm going to go back to being an accountant. <laughs> so we had bought the farm already and we sold part of it, the part that my stepson ran and where he lived in his house. And in the meantime, we had built a house and we were, we were planting and harvesting on our part of the farm. So we continued that, but we had thought even when we left Blueberry Hill that we might start a co-housing community again in Tennessee because we enjoyed it so much. And, uh, and so the kind of community that we wanted to build is one like Blueberry Hill with a farm. Yeah. And so we're, we don't see ourselves necessarily leaving the farm life at all. Uh, the land that we have under contract now in Burns is 15 acres, part of a 150 acre farm, a family that wants to keep the bulk of that land agrarian. And we will help them there. That's part of why we are attractive to them because we know a lot of farmers <laughs> having been yeah. in that field now for 10 years in Middle Tennessee. And so they're really looking for a way to help us build our community and have a strong connection with the farm farm style of life as part of our community. So it doesn't feel like, you know, we're leaving something behind, although I do really like where we live in our in our home and our view. It feels like another version of it that has the bonus of having a co-housing community in it. That's wonderful. So, and you're not the only co-housing in Tennessee. You have, you said you all have a sister community who's helped guide you on the co-housing front. Yes. Yes. Diana Sullivan is a commercial realtor who had a dream of co-housing before we moved here. But soon after we moved here, we met her and we were actually involved in some of her early work getting a community built. We would go to meetings and we would be the only ones in the room who had actually lived in co-housing. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so we watched uh, with delight as her community grew. And now it is uh, a beautiful uh, co-housing. It's a series of townhouses and stacked flats in a very urban area within sight of the capital of, of Nashville and walking distance to restaurants. And so it appeals to people who want a more urban co-housing community. And we've held workshops there. Uh, I mentioned we had our schematic design workshop last month 
in the Germantown Commons co uh, Common House. Nice. And, uh, so, so they're very kind to us. We're gonna we're gonna host a, a dinner for the Germantown Commons residents uh, next month, and look forward to continuing to get to know the folks who live there and yeah. um, appreciating their beautiful space. Oh, that's great. I'm very jealous because we do not have any co-housing near us at all. And so, you know, a lot of uh, our members who come in have never seen co-housing live and in person, you know, and you can tell stories and you can talk about things. But I just think that there's there's so much power in that feeling of being in a thriving, happy community um, that you just it it's it's really tough to describe it and and do <laughs> do a good job at it. So yes, yes, and we've been fortunate when we've had events there that members of that community have come to our events and have talked to our guests about okay. what they like about co-housing and and many have opened their homes and invited people to come and see their homes, which has been like so you say, it's really helped make it much more tangible. Yeah. So I wonder, does it also inform decision-making for you all? Like, oh, we like this, so we want to do this. Or um, did the, one of the communities I lived in in Colorado was was built later after another one. And they often said that they referred back to the first one, like, ooh, don't make that mistake. <laughs> like time has proven that that isn't good. Or, or are you two just kind of really different and different environments? Well, I would say, so Gwen, who's one of our founding members, was involved in the development of Germantown Commons, and she often brings to us what she learned in the process that they, processes they used in development. Yeah. So we, we definitely are benefiting from that. Plus, Diana's a friend, and Diana's given us a lot of guidance uh, about what she found helpful. And in fact, I, I had uh, lunch with her, coffee with her probably about a, uh, less than a month ago. And, mm -hmm. and she continued to, you know, to give me some good pointers. We also draw on our experience with our friends at Blueberry Hill. And we've made a point of asking people who are founders of that community questions about what they did. Plus, then we also can draw on our own experience. So yeah. for instance, one of the main messages we've gotten from our friends in Blueberry Hill is the importance of having open houses, once we were formed, continuing to open the passage for communication with the outer community to let people know about our community, partly to just demystify what it is, and yeah. partly to have uh, folks who are then ready to move into our co-housing community should someone in the community want to sell. Yes. And so, so the idea of having people who are already informed about what co-housing is and move in, not just because it's a beautiful place with, you know, with some wonderful amenities, but because they understand the deeper principles and policies of a co-housing community, and they want to be a part of that. That is a great tip. I really like that. Especially, too, it strengthens your relationship with your neighbors. I mean, co-housing is all about relationships, but those don't end at the property, you know, line. So yes, 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 we have, we have seen uh, ways that the co-housing communities really around the country offer programs uh, like some like ours that'll be more agrarian will we'll offer canning you know or different kinds of gardening related workshops we also have as we are in near Nashville we have musicians in our group we imagine ourselves having 
uh, house concerts with refreshments and inviting neighbors over to, you know, to listen to some of our members who are very talented singer songwriters and uh, musicians. So, so we expect to have entertainment and education uh, that we can offer to the community as well as maybe pick your own blueberries. We're picturing that as another opportunity to bring community from beyond our borders in, into our community and see, get to know us and see what we're, what we're about. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, so what are some of the fun things that you all do together to build your community and to get together um, right now, even though you're not living together, or what are some of the things that you guys have done? I love asking this question because we get all kinds of good ideas from it. <laughs> and then we still. Well, one of, one of the, the, the highlights of where we are chosen to live is that we are four miles from Montgomery Bell State Park, which is a stunning state park in uh, in Tennessee. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a potluck picnic there and we had other lakes and we had reserved some paddle boats and kayaks. So we had a pretty long morning of just visiting with one another and walking around the park. We walked down to the lake, some of us, and just, you know, looked at the birds and talked and got to know one another and ate a lot of really good food. <laughs> and then we had a site visit. We do site visits uh, once a month. And so a group of us caravaned over to the site, which as I said, is just four miles away. And we we were hoping to have a, uh, a major event in terms of marketing. We had brought in a crew with uh, drones and cameras, and we thought we we're gonna have a big crowd. And oh, and wow. and. and incredible downpour started about oh, no. 10, minutes, 10 minutes after we got to the site and the film crew was you know they were covering their cameras and we were <laughs> pulling our raincoats or hats over our heads and that got that got uh cut short very short it's like real uh, life in co-housing as opposed to like that pretty picture yes, like, yeah. yes it but, rains too yeah it does rain uh, so, so potluck events, um, as I mentioned, we we had this Ted Rao talk uh, last week. Ted Rao via video came. We made that a social event. We, yeah. we Did you very, find Ted through FIC or through Sociocracy for All? Actually, John and I went to the National Co-Housing Conference last August. I'd seen his books and had read yeah. some about him, but I went to a workshop of his at the Co-Housing yeah. Conference in Madison and really liked his approach. Yeah. And so I talked it up in my group and then we publicized it. And we we had, uh, I guess, about 25 people who came. We prepared refreshments. We're good friends with an organization in Nashville called the Nashville Food Project, which is just an amazing organization. And they have a gorgeous space and they let us use their space <clears throat> for Ted's talk. So we we set that up as a combination social educational recruitment event. And, uh, you know, it, it went over very well. We got we got a. A, a new explorer um, <laughs> in preparation for that event and one at the event. And oh, I mean, it was just you know, people, people, some people, it was for our explorers and members and anybody else in the general public yeah. to come. So we did have a nice program for our explorers and members, social and educational. And then also we brought some people in who didn't really know much about it, but learned some things That's about housing. Great. That that's great. So are you guys on multi-gen then? Is that your plan to have multi-generational? It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. We're finding, like I understand many communities are finding that younger families uh, are, uh, you know, being more cautious about moving into something that doesn't exist. And so are, we have, we've had some very wonderful families that have come 
into our circles and we continue to stay in contact with with some of those. And I think that's kind of the sense we get or what they've told us that they're waiting to see, is this really going to happen? So we're going to be setting a date this week for our next workshop, which will be our common house design workshop in January. And we're hoping now that we have a schematic design that people can see. And as we get more tangible with our common house and then move into the structure of our homes, we're hoping that more of the families, young families or or couples who or people who intend to have families will come uh, you know, to join us as members. As I say, we have many in our in our um, circle on our mail on our mailing list, which is now over 800 people. Get our, news, get our newsletter and um, and ask us questions and come to our information sessions, which we have twice a month virtually. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're hopeful that we will be multi generational. That's great. That is really great. I should even say confident. I mean, I think yeah, I, th- I think that over and over again, people are saying, "I want my kids to grow up with." with nature. I want my yeah. kids to, to know about farming. I want yeah. my kids to be part of a community that has many adults that care for them. Oh, and, and the freedom. So Rebecca, for me, when my girls were little, it was that they had freedom that they didn't have. We had lived in Austin, Texas, which is yeah. not yeah, one of my favorite stories is about uh, uh, some parents who came with, um, there was a, a child about 12 as we were doing our site visit, walked around and that child came up to me and said, would we be allowed to camp down there in the woods? And I said, what a splendid idea. Yes, you would. And so I can picture, you know, little tents that are within sight, kind of off in the distance a bit, but on the other side of the pond, you know, the kids can be down there in their tents and it's, it's on our land. That's just perfect. That is perfect. Well, wonderful. Well, Rebecca, how many uh, units will you guys have and how do people contact you if they want to come in as an explorer? Thank you for those questions. We anticipate 28 to 32 residences, homes, and we have a website, www.burnsvillagefarm.com. And that is our main way of sharing information about ourselves. We have a lot of information on our website. And we invite people to look at the website. And there are many places on that website where you can sign up for our newsletter. John's phone number is on the website. Uh, <laughs> and we're getting some help figuring out how to send newsletters to people right away so they don't have to wait till the next one. Oh, smart. Good. Excellent. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and chatting about this. It just sounds so lovely. I want you to get built because I'd like to come visit and um, I'd like to come pick some blueberries. So that would be wonderful. Well, Kelly, thank you much for the opportunity. Yeah, as I mentioned, we're 30 minutes from Nashville. So we picture people coming to visit us and enjoying our community for, you know, as long as they're there and going to Dixon, which is a nearby really charming town, a little bit bigger, less than 10 miles away, but bigger with lots more restaurants and amenities. Uh, And then Nashville, which is, I think, world famous. Uh, Nashville really has a great deal uh, for families. I've enjoyed having lots of time with my grandkids at lots of the different places in Nashville where people can, you know, enjoy many, much more than country music. There's much, there's that, (laughs) and there's much more than that. So, so yeah, I'd love to have you come. We'll plan our common house with your, your name on the guest room. 
That sounds great. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thanks Thank for you, listening, y'all. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.